guest speaker for our Armchair Experts series. This is the lovely Janae Collins. Hello. I, to I told her she'd get a round of applause. Great job, guys. Yes. Um, Janae is an incredible part of our leadership here at Pulpit mm -hmm. Rock. She serves as the director of our women's ministry. Mm -hmm. um, and I have uh, had the blessing of sitting under Janae's teaching several times in women's events and conferences. Um, I'm so excited that you all get to hear from her this morning. Um, and Janae, I would love for these people to get to know you a little yeah. bit better. Um, so you're the director of women's ministry, but I know prior to that, you have been involved in our women's ministry for a really long time. Yeah. Um, so I would just love to hear um, what has been the draw um, to you to lead women at Pulpit Rock Church? Yeah, I started volunteering with women's ministry um, a few years ago, and it started out with putting on our IF gathering, which is now kind of more of our, our own women's conference in the spring. And my heart for women is and has always been just to create opportunities for you to connect with each other. I know that I'm not able to connect with everybody, but I'm all for giving you all the opportunities you can so that you can connect and get authentic community with each other. That's great. And if you are a lady here with us today and you are not connected, I encourage you to reach out because it is truly a group of connection and yeah. getting to know each other. Um, so outside of this job that you have here, I know that you also have another job. What else do you do? Um, I am the middle and high school Bible teacher at Pikes Peak Christian. And I'm also the high school chaplain there. So I get to format our entire chapel program and we get to go back to school next week. I mean, I'm still crossing my fingers. And two of my students actually came. They're way over there. I'm not going to make you raise your hands or anything, but they're just so cute. And I love it. I love um, being a teacher and just having biblical conversations with teenagers. That's so great. Uh, you are a great teacher, and I learned a lot from you this morning in the first yeah. service. Um, I'm excited for you all to hear her speak. Uh, before she gets started, I would love just to pray over Janae yeah. and, and this time. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing Janae and her heart and her leadership to this church. Um, I thank you for the way that you lead her. And I pray that you would bless uh, the time that she put into preparing this message. I pray, God, that our hearts would be open um, to hear and receive, like Kevin said, that, that this message would fall on good soil um, and take root in our hearts. I thank you for this day, and I thank you specifically for Janae Collins. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks. Well, good morning again. I love that song that we just sang. I know it's a longer song. Has anyone ever heard that song? It's called Promises. Um, it's by Maverick City Music, and it has been my anthem for... I'm at least all of quarantine. My sister is in college, and she sends me all the cool stuff. And she sent me this song, and I listened to it at least twice a day and just belt it. And so I was belting it, and my voice is already, like, hoarse because that was the, maybe the third time I belted it this morning. But I love that song because it talks about truths of praising God when you believe it, and then there are some truths in there of praising God when you don't necessarily believe it but you trust that it's true. I want to start by sharing a story with you about my senior year of college. And 
my senior year, I went through what I like to call and what I like to tell anyone entering college or their 20s is a quarter-life faith and identity crisis where just about everything in your head begins to hit the fan. Anybody been there? Just me? Some? Okay. It, it hurts like your head when everything starts to hit the fan and you start questioning your identity. I, it was really good and necessary, and I'm so grateful, but I'm also really grateful to be on this side of the story. It was in that senior year of college towards the very beginning where I just began to doubt everything about God. I doubted who Jesus was, if any of these Bible stories made actual sense. I doubted what grace was. I doubted if God loved me, if I loved God. I was just very confused. And I was taking a class on the book of John, and I remember my very first assignment with that class was, hey, write a paper and tell me how you are. It seemed very simple. So I went home, and I got on my computer, and I was like, okay, how am I? And he caught me on this day where everything was hitting the fan. And I just crumbled on the paper, and I vented. I was like, I don't know who God is. I'm about to graduate with a degree in ministry. I'm going to serve the Lord, but I don't even know what or who the Lord is right now. I don't know how to serve without a grudge. I don't think God loves me. I don't know what grace is. And I wrote this all down in the paper. And I remember the next class period that I had with that professor. He was holding my paper and he came up to me and he's like, come meet with me. I'm like, okay. I needed help. And he was willing to bring me in. And we met that first time and I was venting to him and he he told me, he advised me, hey, why don't you put your Bible and your journal down for a little while? And if you would have seen me in that moment, my face looked like a ghost. I could not do that. He's like, put it down, like maybe away in a drawer, lock it up. I believed wholeheartedly that God would hate me if I did that. If I did not touch my Bible and my journal every single day, God would drop me from his friend list. I, I was not welcome in God's vicinity if I did not read my Bible every single day. I really believed that it was up to me to maintain my relationship with God. What I didn't understand then was that God created me to be the pursued one. He desired to lead our relationship and to lead me. That professor ended up walking that entire season with me, and I'm so grateful. And he ended up teaching me about the topic that I want to share with you today, and that is the Good Shepherd. I don't think there's anything ironic about how Jack talked about God's voice last week. He even mentioned the Good Shepherd, and I'm so grateful for that. But today I want to dig even deeper into this character of God that he is our true, personal, good shepherd. Because it, it was in that quarter-life crisis where Jesus rewired this picture of who he is and what he does. He took this task-managing and risk or uh, rule-making God and turned it into this tender and strong, good shepherd who has a voice that is kind and gentle and accepting. And every day since then, 
I can't help but share this side of Jesus because this is who he is to me. When you ask me, hey, when you think of Jesus, what do you see? I see a shepherd. I see a good shepherd because he is our good shepherd. Last week, Jack pointed us to know God's word and to know his voice and how to hear his voice. But to know what our good shepherd sounds like, we also need to know what he doesn't sound like because Let's face it, we live in this world where we are easily distracted. We can be easily led astray by others to our own destruction. I agree with Jenny Allen when she says, we live in a generation where the greatest battle is between our ears. Let me give you a few fun facts. They're not, they're not really fun, but let me give you a few facts about our thoughts. According to the National Science Foundation, an average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. I'm on the 60,000 end, maybe even like the 80,000 end. I will let you decide where you're at. But regardless, 80% of those thoughts that you have are negative. And 95% are repetitive. So if we are repeating our negative thoughts most of the time, it is safe to say that we think negatively way more than we think positively. Let me go one step further. According to researchers, the vast majority, 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of a toxic thought life. That's crazy to me. And it's also really comforting to me as someone who struggles with anxiety and depression and gut issues. If I could just have a few less thoughts, that would be great. But this also reminds me that I can do this with Jesus. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to bring abundant life. And so that's my heart this morning. I want to give you a glimpse into the good shepherd so that later this week when you are spinning in your thoughts, you can redirect your mind to the one who searches for you, who never takes his eyes off of you, who rescues you, protects you, binds up your wounds. He promises abundant life to those who follow him. We'll be in John 10 if you want to go ahead and join me in reading about the good shepherd. John 10, 1 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. To give you some context here, Jesus has just healed a man born blind. And there's some arguments going on about, hey, did the man sin or did his parents sin? What caused his blindness? And Jesus basically looks at these people and he's like, this is not about you. This is about me. Focus. I'm going to heal him. It's not about your sin or your parents' sin. He probably said it in a really kinder way than that, but I see this as Jesus saying, watch me. It's about me. It's not about you. And so the Pharisees, the guys who are the elite religious and the observers of the law, they know the law like the back of their hand. They overhear Jesus talking about how he has come to the world for judgment. So the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. And so the Pharisees go to Jesus, and they're like, hey, are we blind too? And Jesus then responds with John 10. 
he looks directly at them and says, you are the blind leaders. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the gate, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. They are the ones who have failed to be shepherds for Israel. They have failed to lead the people to the truth, and they have not cared for the people of God. The good shepherd is needed because of them. And when Jesus calls them bad shepherds, he does not have to explain what that means to them because every single year there is a Feast of Tabernacles. And every single year at that Feast of Tabernacles, they read Ezekiel 34. And Ezekiel 34 is all about God highlighting the need for good shepherds and leaders for the Jewish nation. The imagery of the book of Ezekiel is beautiful. If you've never read the book of Ezekiel, I highly recommend it. It can get a little confusing, but it's just beautiful. And in Ezekiel 34, God lays out this picture of what a good shepherd is and what a bad shepherd is. And I'd like to just read that over you. If you are visual, go ahead and turn there. It's Ezekiel 34. But if you want to just close your eyes and play this like a movie, that's what I like to do. This is Ezekiel 34, 1 through 6. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. So the Pharisees know that this is, this is what a bad shepherd is. Jesus calls them thieves and robbers because they gain their place among God's people through personal and political connections, through formal education, through ambition, manipulation, and corruption. A bad shepherd leader will let sheep remain lost and afraid. They will feed themselves with the best food and clothes. They rule with harshness. They live selfishly. And when the enemy comes, they flee for their own lives without any care in the world for the sheep in the pen behind them. And then God intervenes in Ezekiel 34. He's going to reverse step-by-step the process described. He successfully undoes the damage inflicted. Verse 7, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to the feeding of the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. This is when it gets real good. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. 
on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I love reading about how God is going to fight for his sheep. According to this passage, God will search for his sheep and seek them out. He will look after them. He will rescue them. He will bring them to their own land. He will feed them on good pasture, bind up the injured, bring them a covenant of peace, rid the land of savage beasts, bless them, remove the scorn, and be present with them and strengthen them. Let's go back to John 10. So after Jesus calls the Pharisees out and they understand, or are at least beginning to understand, or maybe they don't understand at all, he declares himself as the good shepherd. His people need him because the leaders have been doing a bad job. And so he fulfills everything in Ezekiel 34. He says, what I talked about, about a bad shepherd and a good shepherd, that's still needed, and I'm here. I'm here to fulfill that. I am the good shepherd. This is John 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, was used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So he said it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. No one's done a good job. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I just want to share three parts of Jesus as the good shepherd. He's been teaching me about this since my senior year of college, that he is my shepherd up until the last 12 hours that he has been like cementing in this theme in my life. The first role of a good shepherd is to lead. We've all heard our witness that sheep 
are not the smartest in the book. Has anyone in here or at home ever tried to herd sheep? Yep, me either. But maybe at home, just say it out loud and we'll all listen. That's great. I herd toddlers, and that feels very similar to herding sheep. Uh, frustrating. They are dependent on their shepherd for everything. Food, water, protection. They have to be led to good pastures and clean water every single day because even the next day, they're going to forget what's happening. They don't know how to do it the next day. They have peripheral vision, so sheep actually have eyes more towards the side of their face, so they can see by, uh, around them, and then they can see behind them. But they have terrible depth perception. They cannot see right in front of them. So they have to know their shepherd's voice in order to know where to go because they cannot recognize him in front of them. If that's not a life analogy in and of itself, I don't know what is. Like, remember the Pharisees? They, Jesus, right there. The sheep have to know their shepherd's voice. And if we're comparing ourselves to sheep, we also have to be led every day. But we also have to recognize that we need to be led every day because tomorrow is going to be confusing. So we need to recognize that every second of our day, we have to follow the shepherd's voice. And we have to get to know his voice. The second role of a good shepherd is to protect it is the shepherd's responsibility to protect the sheep from wolves and dogs or whatever else poses as a threat. Shepherds even carry a staff uh, to protect the, um, the threats. I grew up thinking that the staff was an accessory. And that's what I colored in my coloring books. It's an accessory. It's not. It's actually to fight off the enemy. And in this passage, Jesus contrasts his own protection of the sheep with that of the hired hand. Because when the hired hand sees a threat, they flee immediately. They run for their own lives. Zero awareness of the sheep. But Jesus, he won't let anything in to harm us, and he won't let any of us get out. Pastor Matt Chandler explains it like this. When Christ sees us, those of us who are Christians, he sees something that belongs to him. He is not a hired hand. He is not going to bail in the day of trouble. In fact, he says in this text, as the wolf comes, he will not flee. He will not abandon us, but he will stand in the gap. The wolf here isn't just sort of random difficulties that might befall us. He's talking about the great enemy of all souls, which is sin and death. To take this protection one step further, a shepherd will see a sheep who is wandering away, and he will actually break the sheep's legs, put the sheep on his shoulders, and carry that sheep until they are healed. And then once that sheep is healed, they will not leave that shepherd's side. That is the current role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit slows us down. The Holy Spirit breaks our legs so we don't wander off too far or get too in control of our lives. Holy Spirit carries us back home. The Holy Spirit gives us wisdom of when to sit and when to move, when to say something, and when to listen. So the Good Shepherd not only physically protects us, but protects our souls, minds, and hearts every single day by standing in the gate and by being the gate. We have no idea how many times we're protected every single day. The third and last role of a Good Shepherd that I want to share with you is his willingness to sacrifice himself for the sheep. 
He is so interested in guiding and leading and getting us to fresh water and protecting us that he himself is willing to die. It's as if his needs and desires are nowhere to be seen when it comes to us. And the truth is, like sheep, we don't know how badly we need a good shepherd like this. My daily conversations and prayers with the Lord are all about me. My wants, my needs, my issues, and not on the truth that somebody actually died for me. Legitimately knew my name and died for me. Knew what I'm about, knew all of my failures, knew all the way that I think that I'm failing, knew every way I don't measure up. And he also knew how little I would thank him for his sacrifice. And yet Jesus walked himself to the cross and he stood in the gap of his sheep and the enemy and he took all the hits of our sin. He chose to die without looking back or rethinking. Our good shepherd Jesus is our sacrificial leader and protector who came to rescue us in our wandering. But just because Jesus is our good shepherd, the battle is not over just because he fulfilled Ezekiel 34 in this beautiful way and proved it on the cross doesn't mean that we still live in a really broken world we've been given a glimpse into how this bigger story ends and how there will be no more grief and pain and tears but until then I guarantee you that the enemy is going to still try to steal kill and destroy us he wants us to fail he wants us defeated he wants us to doubt God and his goodness and his purpose for our lives. And there's so many ways that the enemy does this, but I found this poem that I wanna read over you because it's this prime example of how I think a wolf acts today. It's titled, If I Were Your Enemy, it's by Jenny Allen in her book, Nothing to Prove. If I were your enemy, this is what I would do. Make you believe you need permission to lead. Make you believe you are helpless make you believe you are insignificant, make you believe that God wants your decorum and behavior. And if that didn't work, I would make you numb and distract you from God's story. Technology, social media, Netflix, travel, food and wine, comfort. I would not tempt you with notably bad things or you would get suspicious. I would distract you with everyday comforts that slowly feed you a different story and make you forget God. Then you would dismiss the spirit leading you, loving you, and comforting you. Then you would start to love comfort more than surrender and obedience and souls. If that didn't work, I would attack your identity. I would make you believe you had to prove yourself. Then you would focus on yourself instead of God. Friends would become enemies. Teammates would become competition. You would isolate yourself and think you're not enough. You would get depressed and be ungrateful for your story. Or you would compare and believe you are better than others. You would judge people who need God. You would condemn them rather than love and invite them in. You would gossip and destroy and tear down other works of God. Either way, you would lose your joy because your eyes would be fixed on yourself and people instead of on Jesus. And if that didn't work, I would intoxicate you with the mission of God rather than God himself. Then you would worship a cause instead of Jesus. You would fight each other to have the most important roles. You would burn out from striving. You would think that success is measured by the results you see. You would build platforms for applause rather than to display God. Then all your time and effort would be spent on becoming important rather than on knowing Jesus and loving people. 
The goals would be to gather followers, earn fancy job titles, publish books, build big ministries, rather than to seek the souls of men and the glory of God. And if that didn't work, I would make you suffer. Then maybe you would think God is evil rather than good. Your faith would shrink. You would get bitter and weary and tired rather than flourish and grow and become more like Christ. You would try to control your life rather than step into the plans he has for you. The enemy is telling you that freedom is only found in finally proving to yourself and to the world that you are important, you are in control, you are liked, you are happy, you are enough. I really resonate with this poem, unfortunately. And if I'm honest with you, too many of the things that I just read you have been truths in my life even this morning. And this is why I desperately need our good shepherd. And this is why you desperately need your good shepherd. In the last few years, I've been learning a deeper understanding of how a good shepherd feels and acts and leads through being a mom to my daughter. This is my daughter, Brooklyn. She is seriously adorable um, in a picture. If she, if she was here, she, uh, she, she would be something. She knew my voice from the second she arrived. And she made it very clear that I, I was her person. I was this blurry picture to her. But every time I was not touching her, she would be crying. And every time... She would lay on me, she would recognize my smell, and her whole body would relax. She knows the difference between my voice and any other voice, which is really terrifying and humbling to know that I am her safe spot. She's relying on me, and it's been that way for two years. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to end. It's been in this journey of mothering her where I've seen a glimpse of how God shepherds us. He wants to be the one that is our safety and security. He wants interactions with him to help put our hearts and minds at rest and relax our bodies. He wants his voice to be the one we respond to differently. I'm convinced that in this time of our world, more than ever, we need to remember that we have a good shepherd. I don't know if you've noticed, but our world is like really broken right now and really sick. And we need healing. I felt more despair this summer as we get further away from what we knew as normal than closer. As a teacher, my heart breaks for my students who are missing out on first college experiences and senior years and recitals and PE and school without masks and hugs. As a mama, my heart breaks for my kids as they walk by their Sunday school class and I, they can't go in. They can't see their friends. As a human, I just miss people. I miss being closer than six feet apart from people and seeing smiles. My son, a little while ago, he was in the yard playing, and I needed to go get my coffee. I just needed a break. So I looked at him. I was like, 
can you handle this for a second? Are you good out here? And he looked at me and was like, yeah, I'm good. I just need some friends. I was like, I do too. He's three and a half. I was like, I know. It's just, it's hard. Our world is so broken right now. I'm convinced we need Jesus to daily restore our minds, relationships, and actions. We need him to help us rest and to show us the good green pasture that will give us life instead of trust in the pasture that we think is good but actually sucks us dry. We need him to bind us up and give us strength to keep persevering. We need, him, we need him to search us regarding our entitlement and pride and lead us on paths of righteousness for his name's sake and not ours. We need him to slay the wolves and protect the lies that the enemy throws at us every hour and continue stepping into the gap until we're done with evil. We need help trusting in the security of his love and his desire to pursue us and lead us. And we need to be reminded that we are wanted for who we are as we are right now. God gave this beautiful vision to Ezekiel for the nation of Israel. And Jesus proclaims his identity as the good shepherd to fulfill that vision. And then he proves it with his love on the cross. And then the Holy Spirit daily draws us near, giving us space to catch our breath and tend to our wounds. God, would you tend our wounds this morning? And would you come alongside us in the next few minutes and remind us of how you are our good shepherd? And would you remind us of how you want to carry us and how you want to lead us and how you're present with us? We give you praise, God, for being kind and good and accepting. Help us remember that we're your sheep and that you are our good shepherd. Lost are saved, find their way at the sound of your great name, all condemned and feel no shame at the sound of your great name. The enemy, he has to leave at the sound of your great name, Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us, the Son. God and man, you are high and lifted up, and all the world will praise your great name. Come on, can you please stand to your feet? We serve a God who has a great name. Who is high and lifted up above us.
song. Lost our sins, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name.
serve a God with a great name.
silence the ghost of sin and grace. The heavens are roaring, praise of your worship team and Janae for leading us this morning. Um, such a good reminder of the good shepherd of Jesus's goodness. Um, and I'm realizing it's, it's good for me to be reminded of the sheep that I am. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that I need our Christ's loving kindness and guidance in my life. Um, so thank you for this message. Um, you won't want to miss next week as we continue our series Wanda Anderson will be our guest speaker. She and her husband are pastors at Solid Rock Church, uh, making a huge difference and impact in the south side of our city. And uh, she is a prophetic voice uh, in this city led by the Spirit, um, and God is using her, and she will be with us next week. Um, but for now, I would love to invite Janae to benedict us. Yeah, thank you. Um, Stay standing, and if you're at home, I would love to invite you to stand. I know that's awkward, and maybe you're alone or chasing toddlers or with your family, but I invite you to stand so we are all together to receive this benediction. He is our good shepherd who came to give us full, abundant life. He is present. He knows the way out of this world. His voice is safe, gentle, and accepting. And this is our promise as we keep our eyes steadily on him. Have a great week and take the Good Shepherd with you.